Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Elixir Mix. This week, we're talking to Eric. I'm always hesitant to say your name. Bolikowski? Bolikowski? Spot on. Bolikowski. Bolikowski. I need to just say it like eight times later on in the day when I'm not thinking about it. We also have Alan Wyma. Hello. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And yeah, this week we had our guest kind of cancel last minute. So what we're going to talk about is we're talking about resources in the Elixir community and yeah, just kind of where we go to stay current, keep up on things, know what's going on, what we're learning about, that kind of stuff. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So I'm curious, do you guys have a favorite resource that you go to, to, to level up or to learn? Well, for me, being a complete newbie, I have been finding that the beautiful programming elixir, the pick that I had last time on the last episode, is beautiful and such like a, it's a pretty good resource to start things off, to just, you know, get an overview of what are the different things in elixir and go through entire language feature by feature. But there are also various resources that I've seen out there that are also quite interesting. Yeah, that's a terrific book. I'm assuming Alan has it as well or has gone through it. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But I've picked it up and I, I really liked it as well. That's by uh, Dave Thomas, who's a friend of mine. So, yeah. Yeah, we we actually have, a, I have nearly every Elixir book I could find just because I'm trying to just swallow as much information as I can. And also the the topic is quite small if you compare it to Java or JavaScript. Mm-hmm. So it's that's a great book. And what other uh, books are there? book is actually like... relevant, I believe, even since, because that's 1.6. Mm-hmm. Wow. Saucy Earth book is actually really, really great. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. What is it? Uh-huh. Wow. It's losing my mind. Oh, Elixir in Action. There's just a new a new edition that came out about one or two years ago. Uh, that's also fantastic. Yeah. We've had Sasha on the show before, and he's he's solid. Good stuff. I think there's even like, there's a bit long list of different books that are recommended on the actual Elixir Lang website. Just uh, looking it up here. And uh, yeah. Right, I'll post the link in the in the chats here. Uh, nice. And out out on top comes the book that I literally have in my hand right now. And uh, yeah, and there's also I see it: Elixir in Action, Adopting Elixir, the Little Elixir, an OTP Guidebook, and must be like at least another. Okay, it's actually not that many books per se, but there are more like seven or eight, and then there's a bunch of different courses and websites that are also recommended. Yeah, yeah, I know that Bruce Bruce. Bruce Tate, I, my brain, I, I woke up with attention headache this morning and I'm a little slow on those days. Uh, Bruce Tate, Groxio, Grox.io, they've got some courses that are that are top notch as well and just a ton of good stuff there. I've also heard some really good things about Brian Clark, Pragmatic Studio in their course. I've heard that's really, really good. That's a name I've heard time and time again, yeah. Brian Clark. 
the the pragmatic one is sorry yeah the pragmatic studio one is really great actually i i even know sometimes i kind of keep taking these simple books and kind of just reading them over and over again each book kind of has an interesting twist and some tips and tricks that yeah. have been quite helpful for me to kind of really wrap my mind around certain things like uh what's also interesting is that in elixir and erlang actually there's no such thing as actually a boolean there's actually just atoms of true and false mm-hmm. i don't think you guys know this or not and somehow that gets translated as a boolean which is kind of interesting but yeah i mean it's not super important but it is interesting to see that there's actually some things that are missing yeah that's by, that's by the way it's mike Clark, pretty pretty Brian crazy Clark. there's also my bad anyway yeah i heard the name brian clark i was a little bit confused i tried to look it up that's an actor right brian uh, clark Amer- american professional wrestler <laughs> oh there we go yeah that's definitely who i was thinking no i've never heard of him anyway it's mike clark i've talked i've talked to mike i know him from the ruby community so it's been quite a long time since i've talked to him but yeah lots of stuff Actually, there i really do know, want to dive lot- in and pick up some phoenix too go ahead sorry I was going to say, a lot of these kind of more famous guys, right? Like Mike Clark, Dave Thomas. I punch mm-hmm. Dave Thomas into Google. And sometimes I get Dave Thomas from uh, Wendy's coming yeah. up. And over here, there's actually another guy named Dave Thomas. And he's he made this database system called KDB. And when I was working in, a, in the bank, uh, we got an email saying, because we're going to have guest speakers all the time, right? Because it's a pretty big bank. And we had guest mm-hmm. speaker Dave Thomas. And I saw the description was actually Dave Thomas, the one we're talking about, the pragmatic author. And so I also kind of know him pretty well. And I sent him a message. I said, hey, are you are you in Hong Kong? What do you, you didn't let me know you're coming over here? He's like, no, what are you talking about? And I sent him a, a screenshot of the email. I said, it says you're coming over here to speak. He's like, no, no, that's not not me. I don't know what you're talking about. And I had to clarify. And actually, they had to send out an addendum. He says, oh, no, this is the other Dave Thomas, not this one. So he <laughs> messed up the description. That's funny. Uh, I'm looking at the cover of another one of my favorite books there called The Pragmatic Programmer, and it says David T- Thomas. But are we talking about the same person? Same David guy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Same yeah. person. Yeah. T- terrific. Terrific guy. I mean, I, I listened to a podcast with, with him uh, something last year, and I was like, wow, this uh-huh. is such a good book. I just have to get it. And it's been, it's been a really good resource for me to get back to. Yeah. Yeah. He's a solid guy. Andy Hunt is also a really, really smart guy. The other half of Pragmatic Programmer. But yeah, re- really enjoying that. I'm curious, any other resources that you're liking? I know that Udemy has a course that I think I bought, but I never get around to going through it. I guess one of the uh, underrated, but also most efficient resources are simply raw source code. You know, just go on GitHub and find some of the top re- repositories, popular Elixir-based projects, and actually reading through that source code can be able to be instructive and you can learn so much. Uh, sometimes it can be hard to find a very good repository, but some of the code is really well-documented and self-documenting. That can be a really good way to to pick up new concepts I found. Yep, absolutely. I think the course that I picked up on Udemy was the Complete Elixir and Phoenix Bootcamp, and it's a 17-hour course. So Something you can manage to do over as the weekend. Somebody, yep. I was going to say, as somebody who's kind of new to Elixir, like Eric, uh, how, how is it for you to pick up everything? Because it is quite different. I think you're mostly, your background is mostly in JavaScript, I remember, or am I wrong in terms of you kind of programming things? Yeah, I've been doing JavaScript for for several years now, but I have been through Java, Objective-C, PHP, and ActionScript. Those are kind of like the main languages I've been through in the past. So 
I, I do have a pretty good grasp on objective-oriented programming principles, and I had been exploring functional programming for a couple of years before I actually jumped on the Elixir bandwagon. So I was kind of very prepared in terms of the fundamentals that I have seen come up in Elixir. But some stuff are some stuff is, is quite new, such as pattern matching was really you know, something that really blew my mind away. I had been hearing a lot of interesting things about it, but I had no idea what it actually was until I started reading this book. So a lot of things are completely new. Other things are, you know, partially familiar territory. I mean, how was it when nice. you first see pattern matching? Because it took me some time to really wrap my mind around it and like what you can do with it. And uh, with, I have another guy who works with me. He's a junior, more junior guy. He just graduated about, I don't know, half a year, a year ago now. I can't remember. And he's been doing Dart, which is similar to JavaScript and, and other things like that. And when he saw pattern matching, I think it just took him a long time just to understand what what it even is and how it all the whole thing works, right? So, like, uh, how was it when uh, it's been so long since I've remember the first time? But like, how was it that you know you're taken to this right now when you see it? Like, it did just you just couldn't you probably I mean, what was the first kind of pattern matching where you look at it and you're like, what what is this thing even doing? I think one of the I'm just opening the book now and I'm trying to uh, and and one of the crazier examples is uh yeah take for instance factorial where you can define a factorial as well you can define it recursively mm-hmm. where you will have the same function or variation of the same function being called again and again until you reach basically the base case i can show you guys on like the, the thing but i mean this is of course not going to be very friendly for our listeners but what really got to me about pattern matching was to think about it as essentially if and else if and like basically like a huge switch tree that you would have inside of a normal function inside of javascript that's how i wrapped my head around it initially but the really incredible thing was that you were basically elevating what would normally be like a lot of conditional checks inside of a single function to be part of the signature of the function itself and I just was fell in love with this wonderful way that Elixir has. I, I guess it also builds on work that was done earlier in Erlang, of course. But I, I have no idea if it's like Erlang or Elixir as well. But this whole idea of actually having like a function or a variation of the function being intelligently picked based on the nature of the input arguments, this is really, really something really cool. And I really enjoyed that. Have you ever seen the binary pattern matching before? Binary pattern matching. No, that doesn't doesn't ring a bell. I haven't like, done anything with it either. Oh, it's basically if you're doing a lot of networking stuff, it's really crazy the stuff you can do. I, I really need to kind of show you an example so that you know what I'm talking about. Because when you look, look at it, you'll be just blown out of your mind about how strange it could be. Because what you can do, you know, like when you have like a packet of, okay, you look at networking, but when you have a packet, right, you have some information in there. And one of them, I believe, is like a checksum. So you have like a, a header with some information, then you have your payload, and then you have a checksum somewhere in there. You can actually right. take that and you can pattern match that, and then you can easily see if everything's kind of matching up just all in one line, if you know exactly what the structure of it is. I wish I had a picture somewhere, but that kind of stuff. Like if you look at recently, the NX came out from, from Jose. Mm-hmm. And in his example, he actually managed to open up a file. And have you seen that before where you just kind of pattern matched out everything from just opening up a single file with all the data inside? No, I haven't seen that one. It seems like there's a 
Yeah, so it's like I'm only scratching the surface of, of pattern matching as far as I'm concerned. It's I think another way of thinking oh, about yeah. it is you're, you're basic you basically have something as as concise and and succinct as a regex expression where you can well call the function that you want exactly depending on what is the nature of the input arguments. That's mainly how I've understood this is like the main use case of pattern matching that I've seen so far, like calling the correct variation of a function. But from what you're hinting at here, I think there's much, much more that you can do with pattern matching. Yeah, absolutely. What what I, and now that you're talking about it, it makes a lot of sense to me, Alan, just from the standpoint of the binary pattern matching and Erlang in particular, having been written by Ericsson for phone switches, right? And where it's, you know, converting voice to basically binary signal, right? Then it can, for example, pick up uh, tones or things like that, right? And and route things that way or, you know, pick up the phone number off of there as, as a binary string and, and push things along that way. And so do some of the routing just by picking up different parts of the packets, which seems really, really interesting. And then from there also, yeah, when as soon as you said parsing files with pattern matching, I'm sitting there going, wow, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you know, again, just saying, okay, this is the pattern you're going to match against. And this is how you recognize, you know, these different headers or these different aspects of the file, or, you know, this is the payload or data from the file, right? And then, you know, even pattern matching on the RGB for pixels or things like that. I mean, you could, anyway, it sounds really, really fascinating to be able to, you know, pick it up and just, yeah, pull the data out as you go using pattern matching, as opposed to some of the other things where you essentially have to just parse through each bit or byte or, you know, use a regular expression and then hope that you have something that matches up in the right way and isn't too greedy and isn't too sparse at the same time. Yeah, this, anyway. Uh, now I'm kind of nerding out in my head, so. <laughs> so, so I I dropped a link in there that's about how to parse PNGs and at the beginning of a PNG file to have information, you know, the header and mm-hmm. some other stuff that you can parse out that could be quite interesting to show off to people. Uh, there used to be much better examples. I wish I could find something, but I can't. What actually I use a lot for is if when I'm using and what they promoted also to in Elixir is uh, in Phoenix channels, you have this connect parameter and you can pattern match on the beginning. So usually you say, okay, this is a user. And then you have a colon mm-hmm. at the end. That's just very static. And then the rest of that will be like the user's ID or a token. And then what you can do is because uh, you don't know how long a binary is, right? At the beginning, but you you can, but you, if you start from the beginning, you know how big the, the heading part is, the first part of the, of the binary. So if that part's static, you can put a static variable there, pattern match out the rest, and then you can just then you got your variable over here rather than saying okay split on the colon you can say okay the first part is this i know that for a fact it's going to be static the rest of it pattern match that part out and i'm going to use that to do whatever i want to do if that that kind of makes sense yeah pattern matching is is kind of like elevating a a type definition or a good old java class to being something that is more like a specification or a pattern or like a massive regex where you actually say, this is the shape of the schema of the data that I'm going to take, mm-hmm. a stream or a massive string or whatever is actually being given as input to whatever, be it a function or a parser or something else. 
and it's just magically picking out all the different components to you and also only letting you proceed if what you are giving as an input is actually matching the pattern that you have specified. It's kind of like a super interactive and granular specification that comes to life. Yeah. Yeah, I know I haven't dug into all the different powerful ways you can use it, but I've already just had my mind blown <laughs> just by Alan <laughs> talking through it and going, I had never thought yeah. of using it that way before, but that makes sense. Really digging it. Is is that blog post that you sent us, is that blog one of the ones that we have to be paying attention to, do you think? Getting back to resources or did you pick that up from somewhere else? I just Googled for binary pattern match in Elixir. <laughs> to be honest, I was trying to okay. find a good example. I haven't, I've never heard this guy before. I don't know. He may okay. be in the community quite big, but yeah, it's, it's tough to say, right? So, I mean, yeah. I've been trying to follow like Elixir Weekly and Elixir mm -hmm. Mix, see what's going on. Yeah, uh -huh. Elixir Weekly is one of the places that I get info from as well, just because it comes into my inbox automatically and I don't have to think about it too hard, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, somebody curated this. So that works out pretty well. So, so Even so, sorry, so I was just going to say, like, it, it seems like every month or so, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I'm just exaggerating, but it seems like nearly every month or every couple of months, there's always some conference going on in mm -hmm. whatever relates to beam right there's there's beam i think strange loop is also kind of somehow related there's uh, a lot of lecture conferences there's one in us one in or actually there's like three in us right there's uh at least one or yeah. two in europe it's really insane how many conferences there is for such a somewhat niche uh, language or community yeah elixir conf and elixir conf eu i think is the other one are both run by jim freeze and I've begged him to come on the show and he's like, I don't do podcasts, but you know, I've known him again from the Ruby community when he was running Lone Star Ruby conference and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's been really terrific to get to know some of these folks. And then, yeah, I, I've also been to, I think it was code beam in San Francisco. And so that was also really awesome. Uh, let me see if I can find a link to those conferences. Cause that's a series of conference. Like you said, Alan, that moves around. Nice. These are pretty good resources, actually. I mean, Elixir Weekly, I already signed up for that podcast uh, a while ago. Actually, after after last uh, after our last recording, I signed up for that podcast. And, uh, but I haven't seen these conferences before. So uh, I'll definitely want to join a few of these. The ElixirConf EU is going to run uh, 9 to 10 September in Warzo. I really hope. And that's actually quite close to me. That's just uh, like one hour flight away. I really hope the Corona pandemic will be over by then that we can really start enjoying having physical conferences again yeah i'm mm. pretty optimistic given the trend lines after the vaccine started going out so yeah yeah pretty excited about that but yeah definitely let's pick up speed very quickly what was that oh, no, i was just going to say the vaccinations are picking up speed very quickly mm -hmm. so i think by september for sure we'll be out of the woods yeah i really hope so i mean there's always the possibility that the thing could mutate or this or that but um the way things are looking right now it looks like the the vaccination is actually holding up against new strains so mm. the numbers are going down quickly i'm trying to think what else there's the elixir forum you guys on there oh no is it a big community it's yeah it's probably one of the best places to go get help is the elixir forum i'll put a link in the in the show notes here but yeah there are all kinds of posts in here and and it's extremely handy they talk about all kinds of stuff i some of the some other languages or frameworks that i kind of keep track of 
also have forums like this, but I, I think the Elixir forum is one of the best run. There's, for example, there's one for Vue, and there's a large number of Asian folks that use Vue, and so half the forums in like Chinese, and it, it you know, I mean. Everybody needs a resource, but it makes it really hard for me to follow, right, <laughs> is my complaint. Because half of the posts that get a whole bunch of traffic are, you know, I can't read them. And so for me, it's it's only, it's just so much clutter, really, on, on the list of stuff that people posted. But yeah, you know, here it's, it's clean, it's, it's well run. The topics are usually pretty on topic. They've got things well tagged. Yeah, lots of stuff to like about about the Elixir forum. Ah, this looks really, really good. It's been a long while since I've seen um, like one of these, you know, old school website forum, mm -hmm. forum driven sites that are actually nice and uh, have a good structure to them. Like everything seems to be in Slack and Discord these days. Yeah, there's a Slack channel that I'm into, but I'm on a new computer and so I haven't actually installed Slack because it's also easy. Yeah, for Slack, I'm usually hanging out in the Elixir Slack channel a lot of times and uh, kind of helping where I can and learning a lot myself from from a lot of the, the people in the community. So even Chris McCord is on there sometimes. Mm -hmm. So usually when I when I log in, he's just logging off and I see him kind of giving some advice about usually in live view. So there's a live view channel that's always kind of popping with questions. Yeah, absolutely. I'll see if I can get a link to that too because can't remember if I had to be invited or if there was a link to join that, but um, I just found uh, the join link actually. I'm sending it in the show notes. Oh, awesome! Uh, or the, the chat here. Yeah, I wasn't actually part of that. I'm definitely gonna, gonna join the uh, Elixir Slack channel. Man, yeah. so many nice things to uh, to look into, and I'm supposed to actually go on a holiday starting uh, starting Saturday. I'll have to see if my girlfriend lets me uh, spend time reading up on Elixir as a legitimate holiday activity. Yeah, there's a kind lot of, going on in there. So it's kind of like a, a work thing you have to get done, right? If, you, if you're going to be a part of the podcast. So good excuse if you really want to dig in, your <laughs> girlfriend won't let you, right? <laughs> yeah, precisely. We're going to fly to the uh, Canary Islands on Saturday. Oh, I nice. Think I'll take a, I think I'll take a few like completely non-geek days, but I think I might be able to justify having a, you know, a bit of time in front of the computer and just reading up and stuff. Yeah, I really look forward to actually having just like you know, the time to read a whole book without being interrupted by work in between. Yep, absolutely. What's another thing to kind of uh, talk about too is that you know these these resources that we've been kind of naming are kind of varying degrees of where people are. Right, obviously the Slack channel is kind of for all all groups. The but some of the books that we've been talking about make sense at certain times, like Programming Elixir from Dave Thomas. That one's pretty good for intro, I think. The Elixir in action is actually pretty good about ramping up from beginner all the way to, you know, somewhat you know, somewhat pretty okay stage because mm -hmm. they go into gen servers and pool boy and these kind of things, which are pretty good. But then when you really want to level up, right, if you really want to wrap your head about OTP, that's when things get a little bit more tricky because that's also not really a beginner topic. So I don't know how, how far you guys got to OTP, but that one is really kind of the the meat and potatoes of really why people choose Elixir and, and Erlang. And I was curious if you guys ever started really digging into that and what kind of resources you guys have been looking at. I heard it mentioned a few times on various, well, obviously podcast episodes of Elixir Mix from the past and in articles and stuff, but 